The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Sam Unger Real Estate Team, part of La Rosa Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call Sam at 407-790-9957 or visit samsellsorlando.net. What's up, night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Elo are you as engrossed in Baby Frost Watch as we are as as I have been over here? I'm not, but <laughs> I don't. I, I I can't say. I'm probably the one. I, I look seriously. I watch the SMU game and I get it. I've broadcast games, storylines, and stuff. But I really did get tired of like every other break they kept bringing that up and how he could leave and this or that. I'm like, all right, look, settle down. <laughs> we, well, you know. <laughs> Let leave the kid alone. Listen. All right, the kid's gonna come out whenever the kid wants to come out, and and we don't need to be reminded of it every single time. And I'm sure the family that's watching it, you know, he, he you know he has enough stuff going on. We don't, you know, it was, it was but I understand the uh, the interest level, I guess. Well, as someone who has just recently welcomed his own second child into the world about three weeks ago, by the way, she was due this week. You know, I mean, if she if she went the whole term, who knows? Right. Well, run into Scott right. Frost right there in Winnie Palmer. Who knows? The reports are that uh, he missed the Tuesday practice, right? That he went to the uh, hospital. So we right. believe uh, at, the, at the recording, hopefully at the recording of this, that uh, the, she is out and a lot and ready to roll, ready for her first football game on Saturday against UConn. There, so well, like uh, we said at the moment that we're recording this Wednesday, November the eighth, no confirmation yet, but okay, so don't sure have, we'll, okay. we'll have due time to pass along congratulations in the uh, it, uh, presently. But nonetheless, right. let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, welcome once again. We've got. Uh, don't forget to follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. Follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Uh, and uh, also, don't forget to um, to uh, like I said, log on to our site where we got a whole bunch of stuff going on, including Eric. You got a column up right now. About right. uh, TV ratings, which you can hit up on uh, on the uh, on our site right now as well. Yeah, I uh, break down the SMU game uh, TV numbers on ESPN two, and uh, but I you know which is the second most watched UCF game so far up until this point this season. But I also break it down the numbers, and we'll get into this a little later during the podcast, and how the numbers compare to the past and might surprise some people but uh you know despite the the success and the, the the offense and everything like that uh the numbers don't equal up to what it did say in 2013 when UCF made the run of the festival so I actually want to I will pick Jeff's brain on that if we have a theory or not why uh, the numbers are not higher and maybe and we can even include the attendance for that matter uh with this run uh, compared to maybe that 2013 or 20 even the 2014 season well, as far as numbers not adding up, I think that's a good place for us to start right here because yeah. uh, UCF coming off of the um, coming off of that uh, a thirty-one twenty-four, um, I want to say dramatic. I, I don't know if that's quite the right word. Not dramatic, but certainly tight, nail-biting win um, at SMU in a game that was tough. We expected it to be tough. I think we expected it to be tougher than a lot of other fans expected it to be. Um, SMU is a good football team. Um, much better than people think. UCF comes away with the victory to go to 8-0, and lo and behold, they are rewarded by not moving up in the college football playoff 
uh, <laughs> rankings. They remain at number 18, even though they moved up a couple spots in both the AP and the coaches poll. UCF right now ranked 12th in the coaches, 14th in the Associated Press. And, you know, the thing is with that SMU game, too, is we'll touch upon that briefly here because we have a lot on our agenda today. Um, I was impressed with the UCF defense above everything else. It was, it was kind of a bad night for the offense. They turned the ball over three times, including one critical game, you know, drive that I thought could have kind of iced the game a little bit, and then they let SMU back in it in the third quarter. But consider that uh, I, I, found, I found these two statistics to be pretty um, enlightening. SMU uh, scored an 86-yard touchdown on their first play of the game on a pass. After that, they attempted 51 passes for, I think, 197 yards, which works out to 3.8 yards per attempt. That means you are defending their number one weapon extremely well. And the other thing that I noticed was this is an SMU team that came into the game ninth in the country in scoring offense. They're averaging 40, I think it was 42 points per game, 41 and a half. And UCF's defense gave up 17 points to them on their field prime time um what a job by eric shenander's defense you know for all the talk about the ucf offense the defense is what won us that ball game um and that showed me a new dimension to how ucf can win this game so as we head down the stretch in these last three games we've got uconn at home coming up saturday at noon at temple the following saturday at noon and then usf on black friday are you a little concerned about the offense? Because uh, I know that I am a little bit, but I'm I'm really not worried about the defense because they are making things happen. Uh, well, I think that was huge for the defense because I was wondering how the defense would respond. They haven't been great. Uh, they've had some slippage the last few weeks, but they stepped up, played well. I think they were helped by some drops, quite frankly. Uh, they in were. In particular, that, that fourth down SMU, uh, which, by the way, uh, that might be right to this point the best receiving core that UCF's played all year. I know Miller at Memphis is tremendous, but as a core, as far as two three guys, I think SMU might be the best ones UCF has seen. So they did a great job with that. Uh, but they, yeah, were they had that one out. guy who was the uh, who was the um, um, who was it Holman who was the who was the guy who's going to I think he's going to be playing on Sundays. Well, you got Trey Quinn. I mean, Trey, Trey Quinn. Yeah, Trey Quinn was good. Or Cortland Sutton. I'm sorry. Cortland Sutton, Sutton's the guy. Sutton's the first-round projected kid. Uh, you know, you got the – yeah. So, I mean, they've got good core receivers there with, you know, you know, Court, you know Sutton and uh, Trey Quinn. Uh, so, they're very good. And uh, so, that was big. That was huge. Good to see the defense play well uh, against that offense. It was a lower-scoring game. It was interesting that the offense struggled against an SMU defense that really has not very good. Uh, and they had some issues in particular with the SMU front. So that is a, that part's a little interesting and concerning, I think, when you head into the Black Friday game. I have no concerns about this Saturday or next Saturday, quite frankly. Mm. Uh, I think they could sleepwalk through those two games and win. But I do think – Oh, boy, they, I hate when I hear that, but go ahead. I mean, they're terrible. I mean, Connecticut's even is going to be without their starting quarterback. I mean, look, you want to – you know, the 18th ranked, uh, people are upset about it. One of the things that's not helping UCF right now is that the Eastern Division right now in the American Conference is awful. Outside of South Florida, Cincinnati's terrible. Uh, East Carolina's terrible. Cincinnati's terrible. Temple's terrible. And I know they oh, gonna, people are going to tell me, well, they beat Navy. Well, Navy's a broken team right now. They've got injuries. So UCF hasn't caught in any breaks from their scheduling standpoint. 
uh, with Navy being injured and probably being a four or five loss team. Maryland's broken. They're pro- they're going to be struggling just to make a bowl game. So, look, I mean, the reality as far as the rankings concerned, that's what's going to hold UCF back. And people are like, well, what about Wisconsin? What about yeah? Well, those are Power Five conference schools, and yeah, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. That's how the system has always been. So I, I again, I said it last week. I don't understand the outrage about it because what were you expecting? And, and Reese Davis mentioned it. This is the highest ranked group of five team at this point in the year that they've had since this system came into place in 2014. And I laughed when some people are pushing for the BCS and they did this model. Where, oh, my God. Oh, I can't well, stand fa- that. Well, my favorite is like, I guess they did a beast. Like if the BCS system was going on right now, I guess UCF would be ranked 10th. And like everybody's like, yeah, that's better. What nobody realizes is once UCF plays Connecticut and Temple, they were going to drop in the BCS ranking. And the thing I don't understand, again, maybe you can explain it to me. Somebody can explain this to me. So, you know, going in, you have no shot of making the playoff. You're still the top team that's in the, quote, group of five. If Mm -hmm. UCF wins, controls his own destiny. If they win their division, win their conference, they're going to the Peach Bowl. Does it – what – what? Like, what would satisfy people? Like, would it make you feel better if UCF was ranked 12? Like, how six spots better? Seven spots better? Like, I don't understand the outrage. I get it. Should they be ranked higher? Sure. But it really doesn't affect UCF's path. It's not like, hey, UCF's ranked 18, so they can't qualify for the bowl game they can get to. No, it has nothing to do with that. And the funny thing is, after the bowl games, nobody even uses the committee's ranking. They go back to the AP poll and the coaches poll. So... The committee's poll is only to judge to see who are the four teams in the playoffs. And quite frankly, there's a better chance of the tooth fairy uh, coming in and reining in some a million dollar, uh, you know, donation to UCF than UCF making the playoffs. So if anybody was naive to think UCF had a shot in the playoffs, then you obviously haven't followed college football since forever. So please explain to me the outrage because I'm not surprised by this. I'm not bothered by it because – Here's the other thing. Does it really matter where UCF's ranked uh, after Thanksgiving if UCF loses to South Florida at that point and aren't playing for the championship game? No, it doesn't matter. Um, well, I suppose so, there's a, there's you know the the worry about you know well, do they have enough of a cushion over whoever's ranked just below them? Which I guess in this case is Memphis. Who they beat head to head? Who they, they beat, beat head to head? head. Do they have enough of a cushion where if UCF does slip up, they could still get to the access bowl? Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's no, there's no real, unfortunately, there's no realistic shot for UCF to get to the playoff. Uh, I saw that 538 released their um, projections, what teams and and what percentage chances they have to get to the playoff. UCF not even listed in any of the in any of those. Right. So, which is unfortunate. I mean, yes, there's we know that there's there's bias against the non-power five conferences. We know that's the case. Correct. Um, I, I, you know, I, I just, it would be nice to see UCF get a little bit more respect from the committee as sort of a reward for that. But you're right when you when you look at the end result, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it really, no, it really it's doesn't matter. <laughs> and yet people get bent out of shape. Look, and it's not just UCF. because everybody's got to get mad at something. That's why, and like and it drives it drives web traffic and clicks and. Well, then yeah. that I would think this makes the argument. Maybe this is the argument that college football fans are the dumbest sports fans of all the sports fans, because <laughs> no, I'm serious, because what was the big argument last week? It was 
well, should Ohio State be ranked ahead of Oklahoma? But they played head to head. Oklahoma beat Ohio State. What if they all? Well, guess what happened? Ohio State got blown out by Iowa. That was an irrelevant conversation. This week, the whole conversation's about Wisconsin. I love this debate about Wisconsin. Well, with, uh, a Power Five undefeated team can't miss the playoffs, says Barry Alvarez. Who the hell says Wisconsin's even going to go undefeated? If Wisconsin loses to Iowa or loses in the Big Ten title game, they got no shot anyway. Right. It, it's this is all fiction it's fake news it does it's not there's no uh it's nonsense it's just where everybody is suckered in and 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 really espn should what espn should do before when the show comes on they should have a sign to everybody that's watching says welcome suckers because (laughs) everybody gets sucked into this because and they make it sound and they they react like it's the biggest thing when we know like this poll has irrelevant because it's going to change a million times between now and a month from now. Does anybody remember where Western Michigan was ranked last year? Was anybody going an outcry for Western Michigan when they were undefeated in the MAC? Nobody even remembers where they were ranked. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's a joke. Um, just be, you know, just it, stay it, a five to, of the just stay ahead of the other group of five schools. That's all you got. Right, do. and you say, and that's the thing. That's the big thing, and you nailed it. To me, that's what you should be looking for if you're a UCF fan, not whether you're ranked in front of Wisconsin or or you know USC or all that nonsense. Who is our nearest threat? Well, it's Memphis. Well, guess what? You're gonna probably take. You're gonna you're gonna have to beat Memphis anyway, probably for a second time. Although I wouldn't put Memphis just in in the championship game just yet, because certainly they got SMU could sneak in there. But um, that's what and you Houston. Worry. Don't forget Houston too. Houston's in the mix, but. Uh, but Memphis beat Houston, so they have a tiebreaker oh, edge of Houston on that, whereas I think SMU and Memphis still have to play, if I'm not mistaken. But um, that's what you got to worry about. Worry about winning the, what you got to win. Because if you don't beat South Florida, if you don't win your division, does it really matter? Are you still going to be excited? Are you like, oh, well, you didn't beat South Florida, but hey, we're ranked 21st. Right. You know, who cares? It's about winning the division. It's about getting to that conference championship game and hosting it and winning that game to get to Atlanta. That's what matters. Nobody remembers five years ago where UCF was ranked going into the Fiesta Bowl. What everybody remembers is that they beat Baylor. Nobody remembers what their ranking is. Do you? Do you remember what they were ranked going into the game? Uh, I remember what they were ranked coming out of the game, I, 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 right. they, but I don't remember what they were ranked. I looked it up. They, they were 15th. 14, I, they thought, were, yeah, I thought they were 14th or 15th, somewhere 14th around there. in that range. Nobody remembers that stuff. All you remember is what happens on the field. So I think people need to just chill out, get over it, and you were never going to be in the playoff. I've been a proponent of an 18 playoff. If you have the Power Six conference champions automatically get in and you get the two at-larges, and that's how UCF would get into the playoff. I would prefer that. That's not in the equation right now. They just they they, they just figured out this 14 playoff like three years ago. College football has been going on for hundreds of years. So – that's what I'm more worried about. I don't care what the committee ranks them at. I don't care what they have to say. I don't care about it. Uh, all I care about is this football team's got to get better, I think, in certain areas. Because as we talked about, I was concerned with the offensive performance there uh, against SMU's front. And you're going to play USF, who has the same type of athletes that you do on Black Friday. And keep this in mind. SMU, uh, or excuse me, uh, USF, will finish before they will play I believe Tulsa at home on a Thursday night before that Black Friday game whereas UCF's got to go to Temple on a Saturday yeah my cons- so they got to clean some of that stuff up and fine-tune themselves for that USF game that to me is where the focus should be 
not where the committee ranks them in freaking November the 8th or whatever the date is. Well, first things first, we got to get through UConn first. And uh, we'll even though that. that's at home, you know, they're the second, <laughs> second, yeah, second worst scoring defense in the uh, conference at 38.3 a game that they're giving up. Um, obviously, all the humor around the conflict trophy, which is no more. By the way, t- today I actually um, I called up the sports information office at UConn. And I just asked them, I said, I said, do you guys know where the civil conflict trophy is? And they're like, no, we have no idea where it is. They were like, we're just looking forward to the game against UCF. And I'm pretty sure UCF doesn't want to talk about that trophy either. I'm like, you're kind of right about that. But um, uh, real quick, my, my one question for this game uh, for you, Eric, um, Brian Murphy brought this up. I thought it was a great point. UCF has not had a week off since uh, September the 16th. That was when um, that was when the hurricane came through, and of course they had the two weeks off basically because of that. Um, they've been playing games every week since September 23rd. They're not going to have a bye until after the USF game. Is fatigue a concern? They would have had a week off on October 28th, but they got the game back against Austin P. Not exactly a bye week, even though we scored 73 points on them. Um, are you worried about the lack of the bye week where we would have had it n- nicely nestled into the middle of the season? I'm more worried about it, for, as I mentioned, for the USF game or and or potentially a conference championship game. Uh, in that taking its toll, I don't think that's a concern like this week. And if anything, you're hoping, unlike the Austin P game, although even in that game, Coach Frost was able to like rest some guys. You know, I think you're hoping to take care of business early and then rest some guys and kind of treat it like a half a bye week, basically. So that could help if you just play well, take care of business early, and your regular guys maybe only play a quarter or two. Well, here's uh, what I know about that, though. All right? Yeah. Take a trip in the Wayback Machine. 2013, UCF goes up to play Temple. In the twelfth uh, week of the season, it was actually November the sixteenth. That spectacular thirty-nine thirty-six game up there, JJ Wharton with the catch, uh, the late pass to Rennell Hall, the field go- uh, that led to the field goal that won it. Uh, do you remember what Temple's record was that year? Yeah, I remember this. Yes, PJ Walker was a freshman. They were like three and nine. Here's the difference. No, they, they were, were two and ten. <laughs> they were dead last in the American, one and seven in the conference. Big difference. That's a road game. That's not a you know a road game. You got to travel. You got to deal there. So whereas here, this is a home game. So you could actually uh, and and by the way, uh, UConn will be without their starting quarterback, Sheriff. So. Uh, P.J. Uh, Walker, as we found out later, was, it turned out to be a pretty good quarterback. And Matt Rule obviously was turning things around. Uh, that will not be the case here. Uh, I'm not saying that this will be a clean game. By you know, you, Connecticut will compete, but they're overmatched. Randy Etzel's back. He's got to get some pl- his players into that system. Yeah, he's got uh, some work to do. But I think UCF will play well, and I think they'll uh, do what they need to do. And I think you'll see some guy. I don't be surprised if you see some guys, kind of like we saw in Austin P, that maybe are held back, just to kind of keep them fresh. If I remember uh, correctly in that game, I believe what Killings barely played, if at all. If I remember correctly, I think in that he played game. like and, one series. That's all I remember him seeing for. He like might have played more, but I don't remember anything more than that. And Otis Anderson sat out or something. So I, I think they'll mix some things in there. Um, I think the goal here is you want to get as many players to play and take care of business. So I, I'm not worried about the fatigue factor as far as for this week. I'm more 
worried about the USF because of the schedule, the way I planned it out, uh, that could come into play a little bit. No question about it. Um, so we'll see. Uh, UConn, it'll be interesting. It's a noon game. Uh, well, I know everyone's go- happy about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, you know, there's always something to bitch about when it comes to that, whether it be, <laughs> you know, oh, it's too early in the day. But yet we've had night games this year and they haven't packed the place. What was the excuse then? Right. I mean, there's, you know, it just let, let me ask you that. Let's bring that up. I wrote the blog. I wrote the story on the site about the television numbers. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, this team's undefeated, right? I mean, uh, number one offense in college football, uh, you know, up there in defense, everything you could ask, right? And, and the story goes, if you win, they will come, right? That, that, was, the, that was the old, you know, theory there. And I remember, you know this, I, I used to get told when people didn't go to UCF games years ago, oh, well, because we don't like George O'Leary and we're not going to go to a game until he leaves. And when he leaves, we're going to go back and all that. Um, I broke this down as far from a television rating standpoint, but you can even add attendance to this because I know that was a topic with the Austin P game and it could be a topic. We'll see what they draw for Connecticut. Are you surprised that more people, A, aren't going to the games, B, watching the games? And I'm not talking about national. I'm talking locally. Their numbers are down compared to 2013, which is the year they went to the Fiesta Bowl, mm-hmm. and down to 2014, which was the year after the Fiesta Bowl where they didn't win the – you know they, they won a conference. The, the, now, the local people aren't watching this team like they did in those years. Now, I did explain in the article, and I know you're – a big, big proponent of a, of the cause of this is a lot of people have cost uh, cut the cord, if you will. Yep. So a lot of people don't watch ESPN like they did in 2013 and 2014, or have cable television. So that certainly plays a role in this. Uh, from that standpoint, uh, more people are watching games on the computer now, online. Some people may be going to sports bar. So I get all that. That being said, with Florida having a terrible year, Florida State having a terrible year. Are you surprised that more people aren't watching the games locally like they were three, four years ago, or even nationally for that matter? Uh, and and the same for attendance. Attendance was actually better um, in those two years. Now, in defense, you know, 2013, you had a South Carolina with Steve Spurrier, obviously, which is a, you know, UCF, unfortunately, in this year does not have a team like that on the schedule that drew that kind of numbers from an attendance standpoint or a television standpoint. We would have if the Georgia Tech game happened. I don't think Georgia Tech would have reached those numbers. I mean, with all due respect to Georgia Tech, they're just another program. They're not Steve Spurrier. They're not that South Carolina team that was a top 10 team. I don't think George, it would have helped a little bit, I think, but it, I don't think, I don't think Georgia tech reaches the South Carolina television numbers. It doesn't reach last year's Michigan numbers, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know if that would have made a huge difference, but we'll never know. Um, and look, I, from one, you know, we'll see what they draw for USF. We'll find out on Monday, what time that kickoff will be. The indications are that tickets are selling well for that game. I'm curious because I've thrown this out there. I think a lot of people believe this game will be a night game. And I say there's a strong chance that game's going to be a noon ABC game. And I'm curious how the fan base is going to react, Jeff, if that game's a noon game on a Black Friday, if people are going to kind of say, whoa, get blindsided by that. We'll find out officially maybe Monday when the TV times come out. But it's interesting, Jeff, because I – I am surprised a little bit that more people haven't jumped on the bandwagon, if you will, and watch this team locally or even nationally and or go to the game. Now, maybe that's going to come 
Maybe I'll be surprised this Saturday with UConn. And certainly we'll see more people at the USF game and maybe hopefully in a championship game. But it hasn't reached the numbers that it did in 2013 or even to some extent 2014 yet. Well, you're looking at four years of more of cord cutting that's that's eaten away into that. And if you look at ESPN's general numbers, the number of subscribers that they have lost over that four years, you, mathematically, I think you can account for that dramatic drop in viewership. Um I do think that, uh, for example, I, I think we played, a f- interestingly enough, we played a few more um, Thursday games, some off day, a few more off day games in 2013 that actually, I think, helped our TV viewership. I know that the uh, the Louisville game, I think, was a, the Louisville game was Friday a, night. It was a Friday, Friday night. night. I think yep. the Rutgers game was an Thursday off night. night, too. That was a Thursday, Thursday night. night. Yep. Um the uh, of course the USF was a black was Black Friday prime time so that gets you 1.2 million on a weekend when everyone's home. Um, I think that that was I think that that was a factor as well. Um, and I don't think I don't think this is a real factor, but I'm just curious about it. You know, in 2013 we played a lot of really close games. Like we were a fun watch in 2013 for. Um, you know, because I mean, even the South Carolina game that we lost was close. It was a three-point game. Louisville game close. Um, the Houston game was the Houston game was tight. Um, the USF game was tight down to the wire. Even that SMU game that kicked off at noon um, was a tight game because the weather was so bad. And then, of course, there's the bowl game against Baylor. This year, we've just been wrecking people. But isn't and, that what you want, though, if you're a fan? It's what I would want, <laughs> but drama. But you know, drama-free football. People tune in for the first what? First quarter, first quarter and a half, and then we, you know, we score thirty-five points on somebody, and then all right, we got that one in the bag. Let's leave. You know. So I. It, whereas you know, I think we were a much more dramatic watch for the whole three and a half hours in twenty thirteen. I don't know if that's an entirely. That's one factor, but but it might be. That might explain the TV side of things, but what about the attendance? What's the what's the what's I the, don't and I, and I know there's been some ticket prices changes, and you got the cabana and stuff like that. I get all that, and again, you look at that home schedule. For example, in 2013, 2014, obviously there were more, more marquee teams than this year's, but still, I mean, I remember. I mean, games like the Rutgers game was packed. The Houston game, I'll never forget that Saturday night game. That was close to packed. Um, we haven't gotten to that point. I know the East Carolina game was a decent, good crowd with the 40,000 they announced and everything. Um, certainly, you could argue that certainly certain time slots maybe haven't helped, but I mean, they've gotten night games. East Carolina was a night game. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, so I don't know. It's interesting to me. Uh, I don't know if I've gotten that vibe that we've gotten, say, in 2013 or even uh, 2014 to some extent. Maybe it's coming. Maybe people are just waiting, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe people just are just going to wait till Black Friday. And see what happens there, and then I think, jump on. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that's the case. I think I think that we had, you know, I, I actually missed that. I remember in 2013 there was that three game ticket pack that they sold, where you could actually you, you could get one prime game, which was either South Carolina or USF, and then you would get tickets to two other games. You could pick whichever two from the other four home games that you wanted. Um, uh, I thought that that actually helped attendance in 2013. I haven't seen any ticket pack like that that they've been, right. that they've gone for, and and you know 
Georgia, like if you did a Georgia Tech, well, plus there were seven, there were seven home games, um, or originally scheduled, even though we're only playing six. But um, oh no, we are playing seven. No, I'm sorry, we're playing six. Excuse me. But um, but nonetheless, you know, I I, I don't th- I I think that people are kind of waiting for that USF game. Um, I, I think there were there were a number of factors that they didn't quite that didn't quite factor in this year that maybe would have helped us out in 2013. I think that, that, you know, the Georgia tech game, I think would have been, again, I keep going back to that, but the Georgia tech game would have been a real boost to the attendance numbers. If we had that, um, you know, uh, the Memphis game was, was fairly well attended, not as great as it could have been. I actually expect if, assuming we get through these last two games against temple and Yukon, I, I, and if UCF remains undefeated, I expect that USF game to be a sellout. Even if it's a noon kickoff? Even if it's a noon kickoff, I expect it to be a sellout. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be close. That's, um, because, because that, when UCF, if UCF's undefeated and heading into that game with this team that's averaging 50 points a game, that, that, that's not just a, a rivalry game. That's an event. I would think so. I would think so, um, but you never know. I'm curious. I, I, if the game's a night game, and it will be because that's what it was in 2013, uh, even if it's 3.30, I think it could be bought. I, I do wonder if it's a noon game, how many people will make that adjustment because I do think the majority think this will be a night game, and maybe it, and it could be. I mean, I'm not saying it won't be. I'm just saying yeah. there's a possibility because if you look at what ABC and the American Conference has done the last couple of years, they try to put their marquee game at noon on ABC. Two years ago, Navy and Houston was the marquee game mm-hmm. that decided the Western Division. That was a noon game on ABC. Last year, they put Houston and Memphis on ABC at noon. Well, UCF-USF is the marquee game this year. So yeah. I would not be surprised if that game is at noon. Let me give you a couple of attendance numbers then because I'm curious what you think. Okay, UConn at noon, all right? Last two times UConn has been here, 2013. Okay, I was at that game. I was there too. That was the week, by the way, after they had just knocked off Louisville. Mm-hmm. And UCF and put that, hung 62 on UConn that day. And that, and, and people are complaining about rankings now. Only then, only when they played UConn, was when UCF actually entered the top 25, and that you know that was it. It was October 26. Uh, they had just entered the top 25. They beat UConn that year, 62 to 17. Uh, attendance, 37,924. That was a noon kickoff. And I remember people were you know, like, were expecting more after the Louisville game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2015, the debacle year, as we like to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they played Connecticut. It was actually a homecoming game. Uh, so kickoff was at. 347 officially 347 kick time because it was one of those weird like 340 start times or whatever because their game was on ESPN right. news or whatever the attendance for that game again UCF was winless and UConn was terrible right 26,669 for those two <laughs> games I don't I'm not suggesting that we expect that this Saturday but will they draw more than the 37,000 that they drew in that 2013 game, which was also a noon game. Are you confident that they will draw more than 37,000 this Saturday against UConn? Mm. Noon, noon game. It'll be close. It'll be close. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I hope so. 
I hope so because remember this is the this is the last home game before USF and if this and if the USF game is going to be a sellout this is going to be a lot of people's last chance to see this team at home. So um and that was a 40 to 13 win for UConn by the way back in 2015. So um yeah I think, I think it'll be I think it'll be close. I think I think it'll be I think it'll be over 40. I'm going to I'm optimistic. I'll get over 40. They'll get over 30. They'll get over 30. Because um, remember, this game was previously scheduled. A lot of people are saying that the Austin P game, the reason why that didn't, wa- that, that didn't work out was because it was a, uh, a uh, FCS opponent right. in a game that wasn't on the schedule magnet, so to speak, that got passed out at the beginning of the year and all that. Sure. But um, I do know one thing. Those people who do show up, they should see some fireworks. We're talking about the number one total offense in the, in the conference. Uh, in UCF at 540 yards a game, and UConn's giving up 554 a game. Yeah. So we should see a lot of offensive fireworks from UCF. I'm hoping that you're right that we get that we were able to rest some people after you know it's rather early. Unlike we were able, unlike what happened with Austin P. By the way, the Houston game that year in 2013, November 9th, for a near sellout, 44,000 plus. It was yeah. about 300 from a complete sellout. Uh, the Rutgers game Thursday night, that was about over 41,000 for the Thursday night game against the Scarlet Knights. For, if, uh, think about that, 41,000 for a Thursday game. Yeah. No, and that's why, and that's my whole point and I and you know, it, that's the thing that I'm curious about. I mean, we're talking. We're, we're. It's funny that we're talking about this Connecticut game, and we're struggling to to, to have confidence that they can draw over thirty six thousand. I mean, yeah. that's what does that say? Um, now again, we could be wrong. <laughs> well, we're going to find out, and and I'll know because I am the official stats person for the ESPNU telecast, so I'll be asking for it. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, that'll, uh, be, that'll no. be working. Yeah, uh, but no, I'm I'm just very interested. And look, I'm not. Look, and let's also. Let's in, in full in fairness, um, we've talked about all the you know cord cutting everything, but there's also this thing called HD that a lot of people like to stay home and watch games on HD. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's uh, which has even gotten more popular since 2013 and 14 to some extent. And you know people, I, I do think more and more people today. I don't think that, and I don't know if you agree with this. I think this gener as, as we get further and further, I think. People like you and me and others that used to grow up saying we have to go to every sporting event. It's, it's cool to be at sporting events. I think that's lessening more and more. I think more and more people just like are okay with just watching the game at home on HD or going to a bar and watching the game because they don't want to spend the X amount of dollars that they have to spend to go to a sporting event like that. Don't you think that's all? I mean, that is a factor. Well, all I know is that they've stepped up the concessions this year at UCF, and I don't know what – I mean, it, it, again, it, this is this is the product that we've been waiting for for years. It's it the is, most exciting it, football I, team that we've had but you know what's since interesting 2002, me, maybe ever. I do find this interesting. Sports is the only form of entertainment where we we criticize the customers if they don't come. Like, we don't do this for movies, for movies right? Like, there's a reason why Fast and Furious has had, like, I don't know, nine versions of it because people keep coming. The second that people, customers stop going to the movie theaters to watch Fast and Furious, that's when that will end. But nobody ever criticizes somebody's like, oh, I can't believe they didn't go right. see that movie. Right, but it's, that's sports, because we, the measurement is is entirely objective in sports. I mean, how good a team is is based entirely on their record and how many points they score. Sure. In relation to, I mean, like, 
you know, there's no point system for movies. So, I mean, the, pr- the proof is kind of in the pudding. Uh, I'm, expe- I'm expecting this to be, um, you know, to, to be a well-attended football game. Um, for, so you're for saying UConn. more. You're saying more than thirty-seven thousand nine hundred and twenty-four, which was the crowd for 2013. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say between forty and forty-five. It's not going to be a sellout. It's going to be between forty and forty-five, and I expect USF to be a sellout. I will just comment on UConn, and I'm going to say it's under forty. Okay. All right. I hope All you're right. wrong. I, but yeah, well, <laughs> but we'll see. You know. All right. Now. One other thing that I wanted to mention, though, before we uh, before we head to a break here, and I feel like I'm mentioning this in passing, and I'm not because this is really important. So we have the football game at noon, and as you're leaving the football game, uh, hopefully, you know, UCF blowout win, you should head over, head over to the track and soccer complex because your UCF women's soccer team is in the NCAA tournament. Unfortunate loss to USF in the American Athletic Conference championship game, which uh, went was scoreless, went to PKs. USF won 5-3 to three in PKs. There was an egregious foul in the box on Kayla Adamek in the second half that did not get called. Should have been, I thought, a PK for UCF that could have given them, the, given them an opportunity to win the conference title outright. Nonetheless, UCF is in the NCAA tournament as a two-seed. They are playing at home 7 p.m. Saturday against Washington State. Um, Shout-out to my buddy C. Brandon Chapman, from uh, uh, who's a Washington State grad, works out in Washington State now, um, and is a big Wazoo fan. Um, but uh, uh, And by the way, he was just elected to the um, City Council of Pullman, Washington, so congrats to Brandon. But um, but nonetheless, is this the draw that UCF? I think that uh, I, I thought we were a little bit worried. At least I was after the after the USF loss in the uh, in the uh, championship match that uh, that this would have hurt um, UCF's chances to, uh, to to host or at least you know see where the seeding goes. But nonetheless, they got a two seed. Uh, they're in the same side, or they're in the same bracket. The one seed, by the way, is South Carolina, the only team that beat UCF this year. So, um, in the end, I didn't think that the loss hurt UCF all that much. Eric, what do you think about the draw that UCF has uh, heading into the College Cup? No, I, I think they got a two seed. They were going to get a two seed regardless. I know some people have hit me up upset because North Carolina got a one seed, and UCF beat them head to head, and maybe. If UCF would have beaten USF for the championship game, they could have had a better, a, a bigger argument to flip that with Carolina. But you know how this works. North Carolina is North Carolina. They're yeah. kind of like, you know, like you've mentioned it. You're they're the Alabama of women's soccer. Well, Alabama gets the benefit of the doubt. They're kind of like Pol- they're kind of like Alabama plus Notre Dame plus right. you know times USC. Right. You know they're always going to get the benefit of the doubt. So they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. They won the ACC tournament. Uh, you know they're they're really good. So I mean. Uh, the thing I'm thrilled about uh, is that UCF didn't get paired with them. Again, I would have been more upset if UCF was the two seed and North Carolina was the one seed, and all of mm-hmm. a sudden you got to go to Chapel Hill to play them. That would have been more upsetting. They weren't paired up. Uh, they do get South Carolina. I get that. But remember, they were shorthanded for about 75 minutes of that match. Played really South- well against South Carolina in that yeah. opening match, yeah. Um, uh, here's the thing, and I've talked to different people that follow this closer than I do. I actually, they, they, UCF got a good draw. Except, oh yeah, except that opening round match against Washington State. 
Uh, in fact, I know we're going to play it. I talked to Coach Sahadek at the selection show about it. And the first thing she brought up, as you'll hear, they beat UCLA, who's a national title contender. You uh, To get Washington State, that is going to be a tough first-round matchup. I'll be honest with you. I'm very nervous about that. Uh, yeah, I would have rather play a team like an Alabama State, for example. <laughs> but um, now the good news is Washington State has to travel all the way from Pullman yep. to Orlando. In fact, no team in this tournament has to travel longer than Washington State does. So uh, that'll be a big adjustment for them. But that's a tough opening round match. Um, they're going to have their hands yeah. full. But I think it, and it sounds weird to say this, Jeff. I feel like if they can just get through that first round match, I like their chances after that more. I'm more confident after the first round match than the actual first round match, which I know sounds bizarre, but I, that's how I kind of feel about it. Um, Cause I think they match up pretty well with the rest of the draw they have there, whether it be the Tennessee and Murray state winner yeah. and then Florida, uh, they could be playing Florida could come here or USF could come back. I mean, so I feel they got a pretty good draw where they can make a deep run, but we cannot underestimate Washington state at all. That is a, one of the tougher first round matches uh, which is very, very bizarre because uh, the one time they don't go geography, they go ahead and send a power five school to come to UCF. Uh, very interesting. I, I, uh, Granted, we'll hear, a power five it, school that went uh, nine, seven and three, by the way, on the season. But they beat UCLA. Granted, that was True. in Pullman. But that's a UCLA team that a lot of people are picking to get to Orlando for the College Cup with Amanda Cromwell. So uh, they, they're capable is the point. And uh, that's a big match. But I, I think as far as UCF, I think they're fine. I think they feel good. And uh, as we, you could hear, I had a chance to talk to Coach Sahadak afterwards on the selection show. Selection show Monday. I was there. I talked to her about UCF seating and Washington State and how the team's feeling going into the NCAA tournament. We're thrilled, like number two seed. Um, you know, this team, they, they deserve that. So we're really proud of them and uh, really excited to host this first match. Um, I am, uh, you know, Washington State. I mean, they are a good team. They beat UCLA this year. Um, so this will be no easy road um, even to get out, you know, the first round. So, um, but we're, we're thrilled to be home. So hopefully we'll get a lot of fans out there on uh, Saturday night. What goes through your mind as the selection show starts? You're wondering where you're going to have any pre-thoughts? I mean, what goes through your mind as all the teams get announced? You know, I, I do end up having some thoughts, but I try not to think about it too much because it's so out of my hands and you just like never know when you read about predictions and the predictions are not always right. So I try to relax. I've been excited all day just to kind of figure out what my focus is going to be. So today, you know, I've just been anxious and waiting and uh, now that we know, you know, what the goal is, we're playing Washington State, now we can start, you know, researching and scouting and now we can focus on that, so um, really excited. Were you surprised that it was a Washington State, a Pac-12 team? Usually, you know, they try to go geography. This time they didn't. No, I was actually really surprised when I saw Washington State's name come up. Just, number one, they're a very good team, and they've had some really good results this year in the Pac-12, so that was a little bit shocking, but, um, you know, they have to make that travel across country. I was uh, shocked about that, having to make that that travel, but, you know, we're ready for anybody that uh, the selection uh, committee puts us up against, and I know that the team is excited and excited to host. You played 
Arizona and Arizona State, you know, up in Arizona earlier this year. So it's not like this team is not unfamiliar with Pac-12 talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does that help you here a little bit, playing another Pac-12 team? I know it's a different team, but yeah. similar talent. Well, I just think that we played a lot of different teams in different conferences this year and have been successful um, playing them against some big conferences. So that's got to help their mentality and their confidence, knowing that, you know, we've been up against good teams this season. And that's why we got a number two seat. So the girls should have some confidence. The last week, two weeks, you had the two matches with USF, the Memphis semifinal. The intensity level was up. It was more even chippy. It, was this good to get you ready for the NCAA for a turn for the girls? And, hey, some things may not go your way on the pitch, and you're going to face some adversity in postseason. I think the adversity that we face in our conference tournament is really good for us. Like you said, it was chippy. It was more physical. You know, a championship is on the line. Like, that whole feeling, like, I think it's important for us to feel that before we get into the NCAA tournament. And even to have the feeling of, even though technically we didn't lose, but having that feeling of you know, not hosting uh, the trophy, um, I think having that feeling is, is not a bad thing for them to say, you know what, I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to ever feel that way again. So hopefully it's they're using it as motivation. Especially, you haven't really felt that since the open air of the season. Hard to believe. So I know. And I've been feeling that today. Like, you know, I don't really like feeling this way. Um, and so... Like like I said, I think it's good for them to kind of get that out of the way in a way and, um, and, and get back on track. You got players that have played in the NCAA tournament. How big is that that you have players you can lean on to tell the people that haven't played there, hey, what's this is going to be like? Yeah, I think it, it's really a good thing to have some players that have that experience and uh, just the maturity level. And But again, as a whole, this team I've mentioned is, is mature and um, they know what's on the line. They have big dreams, and they want to go far. They, 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 they want to stay in Orlando, you know, as long as possible, and um, we'll see what happens. I have no doubt that this team can win a national championship. I mean, I think, you know, when we're at our best and uh, the team's clicking like it has been, um, they know, I mean, we, we beat North Carolina. They know that we have had moments where we can be on fire. So I think as long as we're doing our job and we're at our best and, you know, competing and fighting the way that they know how to, then we have a really good shot. Great. Always great to uh, have coach on and uh, talk to her and you could sense the excitement. And I think she's, and I got a sense, Jeff, uh, I think they're just happy to be finally here at the NCAA tournament where it's finally here. And I think they feel good. I think they've put that USF result in the conference championship game behind them. It's not, that's not the big picture. They have a big picture. And that's to go deep in the NCAA tournament. They're capable of making a run. Um, you know, it was funny. Danny White was at this gathering. It was the women's soccer team was gathering. Uh, Danny White was there. He said, this team can win a national championship. Um, I think he's right. And I they believe that. Right. And everybody in that building, in that room, believes that. And that's what this goal is. And to get there. And it, and I think they're ready for it. They got experience. They've got the talent. And I think... And as I, you heard me in talking to her, I actually think going through that adversity that you talked about with USF, the non-call that was blown with the refs swallowing, clearly swallowing the whistle, not wanting to decide the match, being a coward, quite frankly. Um, I think going through all that really will be – they'll be better off for it to get them ready for what is at stake here at the NCAA tournament. Because as I asked her, look, in the NCAA tournament, things are going to go up and down. You may not get the, the, the benefit of the doubt on some calls. Some things might go against you. You have to overcome that. And I think this team, having played USF and Memphis and the level – I was there. The level rose, and uh, that's going to be like that in the NCAA yeah. tournament. So I actually think that 
that's a good wake up call. And as she mentioned in that interview, having that bad taste in your mouth, losing. Remember, this team hadn't had a negative result since the season opener. Mm -hmm. They haven't felt bad in a while. And I think feeling being reminded of what it's like to feel bad after a loss, I think it was good. I'm a big believer in that. I you hear that a lot in college basketball. You know, coaches talk about you know losing in the conference tournament before the NCAA tournament. Sometimes is a good thing. I kind of feel the same way here. Yeah, I, I and think about the fact that the unbeaten streak is over. They have the bitter taste in their mouth. They played 220 minutes of deadlock well, soccer. Let me correct between- you on this. Let me correct you before you, the soccer fans get upset at you. The unbeaten streak is still going on technically. Oh, yeah. I, well, it, well, it's that, officially a draw. It's officially a draw. They just lost on penalty kicks. Don't ask me why. Somebody asked me about that. Don't tell, ask me why uh, soccer does that. I was going to say, tell, tell that to those teams in that locker room if they thought it was a draw. Right. Because one team got to, got, got to bring home a trophy and the other one didn't. I'm but, just saying, from, and officially, the streak is still alive. Uh, for whatever, you know, don't don't ask me why, but well, that's just... I do think that Danny White is right, though, that this team has a shot to win a national title. You get through Washington State, you're going to play the winner of Murray State, Tennessee. Um, Then you get through there and you could play one of USF, Florida Gulf Coast, unlikely South Alabama or the three seed Florida. And then you're and then you're staring at, you know, you get through that. um, You're staring at the regional final. And you could be playing, you know, you could be playing South Carolina again. In fact, I think that's probably likely. Right. If the Knights get through, get through to that point. And keep um, in mind, by the way, a team that South they are Carolina, not afraid to play. No. And here's the thing. If South Carolina gets upset on the way they, and UCF gets to the Elite Eight, they would still host the Elite Eight round. The yeah. only scenario where UCF would not play in Orlando this year is if they have to play South Carolina in the Elite Eight. That's right. the they only scenario. Anybody else in the Elite Eight, it's, at, it's in Orlando. And every round they could put, will be played in Orlando. Yeah. Except That's for the Elite a Eight. huge win. Huge win yep. for UCF. And by the way, not to mention the fact, perfect segue, the College Cup Final Four is also in Orlando at Orlando mm-hmm. City Stadium that everyone – and they, but believe me, the, you better believe that they, uh, they are abundantly aware of that. So, um, so yeah, this should be – this is going to be fun to see. So that's going to be 7 p.m. on Saturday. So after the football game, um, go grab yourself a bite to eat. And then come at on Burger over U. at Burger That's U. That's what I'm going to do. Hang out That's with, what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Burger U. Hang, hang out, out with, with the Nightline guys. Yep. And and then go over to see soccer. Well, yep. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. Hopefully celebrate a fantasy win. Bounce back from uh, <laughs> letting them win last week. Show it to them right there. We got to get it go together. We're in, uh, we're, in a, we're in a bit of a funk right now with UCF fantasy, right. by the way. So, All right. Let's take a quick breather. Uh, when we get back, time to talk some hoops. Can't believe we're talking basketball. Taylor Young joins us, the uh, radio analyst for analyst for UCF men's basketball, to preview uh, the season opener, preview the season for UCF as they get uh, as men's and women's basketball season get underway on uh, Friday with a doubleheader against Mercer. Stick around. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Sam Unger Real Estate Team. Sam and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction as part of La Rosa Realty. 
Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, fellow Knight fans, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. The real estate market in Orlando has been on the move for some time now, so if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, Sam's got you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give Sam a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit him on the web at samsellsorlando.net. Again, that's samsellsorlando.net. You can also reach Sam on Facebook at facebook.com slash samsellsorlando. Get in touch with the Sam Unger real estate team today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And welcome back. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Coming at you on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. Uh, and follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Also hit us up on Facebook and at blackandgoldbanneret.com where we will be live blogging the UConn game as well. Uh, once again, those live blogs have been pretty good for us so far this year, Eric. So uh, we're going to be and and the good part is we can get that one done early because it's a noon kickoff. So, but we're but we're okay. We're through with football for right now. Time to talk basketball for the first time this season on the podcast. Boy, basketball season has snuck up on us. Um, men's and women's uh, start Friday, five thirty p.m. The women's team faces Mercer, followed by the men's team facing Mercer at eight. Some uh, uh, some uh, UCF throwback action, by the way. They're playing uh, uh, playing our former A Sun uh, opponents in the Mercer Bears. Um, but uh, men's basketball is about to get started, man, and the expectations are high coming off that uh, twenty four and twelve season last year, Eric, where uh, UCF made it to the um, NIT semifinals uh, before uh, bowing out, but. Um, Wow. I mean, the expectations are high for this team uh, this year, aren't they? It's the most anticipated season in the history of that program. Hey, that's them promoting it, but it's fact. Yep. Uh, based on that momentum from the NIT, the expectations are super high. A lot of sites that college basketball experts think this is an NCAA tournament team now. You know, they, the big question, though, now is they've already had some adversity. Aubrey Dawkins, who was going to be a big part of this team, some believe was going to be the best player on the team. Uh, it's out for the year with a shoulder injury. So now, you know, you lose him, you lose Matt Williams to graduation. There's some questions on this team from that standpoint, a challenging schedule, 
a league that has Wichita State, which some believe is a Final Four team this year. They're a top 10 team preseason, will be the favorites in the American. Cincinnati's still good, SMU's good, and certainly UCF will have a target because teams will uh, they'll have a target on their back. But uh, still exciting um, to see this team and, 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 and some of the great games that's going to be played. I mean, they're going to be playing yeah. some marquee games in basketball. It's the most, when you get into the basketball season, you're like, well, maybe we'll have a winning season. Hey, maybe, maybe we can get into a po- you know, this year it's different. It's mm-hmm. it's NCAA, it's almost NCAA or bust. It's almost and I don't remember ever saying that about any particular season going into a UCF basketball season. Maybe since maybe back in the A Sun days, where maybe UCF was one of the favorites going into the season to win the A Sun. Maybe that's yeah. the closest thing I could think of. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, that's what happens when you got. Taco Fall back with another year under his belt. Sure. Um, flirted with the NBA a little bit. That's what happens when you got B.J. Taylor back. Uh, you got A.J. Davis back. And you got Johnny Dawkins back. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, and talk with our buddy Taylor Young, who uh, is back once again as the analyst for UCF Men's Basketball on the UCF uh, Radio Network. Here's our interview with Taylor. And joining us now, the analyst for UCF Men's Basketball on the UCF Knights Network, Taylor Young, joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Of course, you know him as a former guard at UCF, stuck around the program, and he's a friend of our podcast. Joining us here as we're in basketball season number two already for the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. T.Y., this season snuck up on us, man. Can you believe this is happening already? It's nuts. You know, when the time changes... Right. You have two things that happen usually in Florida. The weather gets nice and basketball season starts. So yeah. I'm hoping the weather cools down a little more, but basketball season is definitely here. Well, here we go. We're starting Friday, November 10th, with that uh, men's and women's doubleheader against Mercer. A little throwback action to the A Sundays with Mercer and then Gardner-Webb coming into town uh, on Wednesday, November the 15th. As we start this season, T.Y., what's the... What's been the overarching message from uh, Coach Dawkins to the team uh, as they begin this uh, second year under his tutelage? Sure, yeah. I'm thinking the buy-in last year was was so great, and obviously their run, and I think you're just looking to build on that. and You're looking to continue to focus on the little things and just get better each day. And I think expectations are, of course, higher this year, but you know, the message that I've heard from Coach Dawkins is, is just to take every day at a time. You know, whether you're going to deal with injuries, you're going to deal with losses, wins, highs, lows. I think um, their staff is doing a really good job about just taking each practice, each rep, um, and each game uh, one day at a time. And I think, you know, the start of the season is no different. You got Mercer Friday. And, you know, I really expect that team to come out and really be locked in on them. Well, the big question that comes up, uh, obviously, this going into the season was who would take uh, Matt Williams' spot, especially from a perimeter shooting standpoint. I mean, you're talking about one of, if not the greatest three-point shooter in the history of the program. And many thought that it would be Aubrey Dawkins would be the guy that would step in there. A lot of excitement over him, of course, the son of Coach Johnny Dawkins. But then it comes out that he's out for the year with a shoulder injury. He kind of posted that on social media, I think it was. So, uh, how concerned are you about that? How big of a loss is Aubrey Dawkins? What what can we look for there as far as maybe who could step up? Yeah, you know, I feel for Aubrey Dawkins. You know, sitting out any any time, you know, whether you're redshirting or you transfer, whatever it is, one year, I mean, not playing against another, you know, and, uh, playing in the games is just tough. So I just feel for him as a player and as a person. Uh, now he's going to have to sit out two years in a row. So 
uh, you know, my thoughts are with him first and foremost and the team secondary. Obviously, you have guys like Dayon Griffin transfer Louisiana Tech kind of do it all, shoots it nice. Um, they're hoping for somebody like him to come in and step up. But, you know, you're deeper at the guard position and you can't replace an Aubrey Dawkins. His athletic ability does it all. Um, got my eyes on him a little bit in the offseason. I think as a UCF fan, first and foremost, you're just really excited to see him um, and that connection he'd have with his with his dad and playing for his dad and everything like that. So bummed about that. But as far as the depth this year, it's night and day from last year. So you really expect some guys like Deion Griffin, the flexibility of, 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 of B.J. Taylor going to one and two and, and really pick up the scoring where Aubrey probably would have came in. Taco Fall this year, you know, obviously flirting with the uh, NBA draft a little bit, you know, got some scouting reports, came back. I think we can pretty much assume that the NBA scouts told him, son, you got to put some meat on your bones. And that's what he did, because we saw that social media post from UCF. And boy, did he stack on some muscle. How much better does he look this year? Yeah, you know, a few of the guys, I mean, Taco Fall, I mean, his footwork, his timing, I think that's just all going to improve. And and strength is a part of that. So I think the more, you know, he plays basketball, the more comfortable he becomes on the court and the more confidence he gains in his body. I think, you know, teams really have to look out. You know, when you play with a guy that big and tall, even with as thin of a frame as Taco Fall has had last year and even this year now that he's bigger, you just can't imagine what it's like meeting a guy like that in the paint or trying to block a guy like that out. And so his presence physically – um, due to his length, uh, nevertheless, the, how you know much bigger he's gotten from last year to this year, it's just imposing, and it just causes a lot of issues, both offensively and defensively. So I'm looking forward to to him getting on the court this year and really making a statement after a kind of a breakout year last year. How do you feel about BJ Taylor now? You know, I remember last year at this time we were wondering what he would look like because he had just missed the previous year. We wondered how the knee would hold up and everything, and he had an incredible year. Is it possible, though, that he could be even better because now he's another year removed from all the knee issues that he had, and now he's also a year, also an extra year going under Coach Dawkins' system? Yeah, you know, he's a guy that's fun to watch, Eric. You know, he just he makes big shots. He, he kind of plays with his emotions on his sleeve, which I can appreciate. And, and he wants the moment. You know, a lot of times you saw in that NIT run, uh, it was BJ making a big shot. It was BJ making a big free throw. And I think that's really been his identity, uh, especially last year, but throughout his career. He's not scared to take the big shot, make the big play. I think for him as, as a more seasoned player, you look at him to really pick his spots better now that he has more talent around him, more depth. You know, I'm curious to see how he involves people early and then picks his spot late as far as a score goes. So, you know, I'm really interested to see is, you know, how, how much of a score is he going to be, you know, with that loss of Aubrey Dawkins? Is, is he going to play more of the point guard role? Or is he going to play more of the off guard role? And I think um, that's something I'm really looking for. He's certainly capable of doing both. Um, but especially late in the game, you really want the ball in his hands because regardless of whether he shoots it, he drives it or he passes it and dishes it. Uh, good things typically happen. You mentioned the depth. You mentioned the depth and you mentioned possibility allowing, you know, for example, a BJ to play more off the ball. Uh, talk about a little bit of some of the the new faces that you think will make an impact. Because I remember last year there were, you know, not many faces in general. And in, in fact, I mean, the backup point guard position was a huge question mark 
behind BJ that jumps out. So talk about the new faces. And we're not even talking about a kid like Chance McSpadden who missed all of last year with an injury, for example, and he's back. Well, you talk about Chance to lead off there. I mean, he, he played significant miss, minutes as a freshman. And, and he's a guy that you talk about depth. I mean, one, two, he can defend all positions and really give you that consistently. He's been in college basketball. He knows how to handle moments. Um, he knows how to defend as far as the team concept. So, you know, then you mentioned Deion Griffin, again, a guy that's going to come in and potentially score, uh, whether he comes off the bench or starts. And then you got A.J. Davis that obviously he's a familiar face. Now he's a senior. Um, he's a flexible guy, right? So, you know, you have guys like that, that that, you know, he can play the four, he can play the three, and they can mix it up as far as their length. And so there's just a lot more to go around. So when you look at last year, I, I think it's such a different year when you talk about what they're looking to do because you had injuries, you had lack of depth. Now you have so much depth that I'm curious, you know, the teams that I've been on that have had a ton of depth is who you settle into. You know, when you get in a conference season, who are your top seven, eight guys you can really count on late in the, you know, the games? And that, that, that's really what I'm looking for. Taylor, when the looking back at this, I think that this is there's the most anticipation heading into the season uh, for men's basketball here at UCF since probably I would say since Jermaine Taylor's senior year. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm interested to know if you agree with that, but also. Do the players and the coaching staff sense that anticipation? Because you come off of that NIT semifinal appearance, and and the goal is you know seems pretty obvious right now. We got to get to the dance, and uh, is that what they're? It, it, obviously, that's the goal. But is there pressure now on the team because of that? Yeah, and I think they they own that. You know, I was I was at the uh, tip off luncheon. Uh, last Friday, and Jay Billis was the keynote, and it was a wonderful event and for, for a lot of different reasons. But Coach Dawkins was talking about just that, and he was talking about, you know, I'll take that all day long. You know, I'll take the pressure. I'll take the expectations to start at the top, and, and we'll work from there. So, you know, I think any time that, you know, you have the expectation this team has, you, you had a great season last year. You really have some stuff to build on, and, and you have more talent and, and, and more depth available to you. I think there are going to be naturally expectations and, and that's okay. And I think the, the more you own that um, I think the better off you are. And I, I, I think this team where they start is not going to be where they finish. Anytime you have a lot of new faces, you're going to have to gel uh, regardless of whether you practice together or you play together in the off season. It's just different. You know, people are going to have to settle into roles. Uh, you know, there's going to be the guy that's named the starter and the guy that wants to be the starter. That's not the starter and how that all correlates and accepting a role off the bench. You have guys like we mentioned about the depth. Terrell Allen is a guy that can really play significant minutes, whether it's backup point guard, off guard, just has a great feel for the game. Uh, different than B.J. Taylor in regards to not as much of a score from what I've seen. Um, then you have Cesar DeSouz. So you just have some some guys there that can really, really contribute. But I, I think anytime you're starting anything, it's say, hey, give me the expectation, give me the recognition, and we'll figure it out in, in throughout the season, whether we – we end different than we start. When you take a peek at the schedule now, some interesting matchups coming down the pike. Obviously, um, you know, the Advocare Invitational in the field that UCF's going to be facing uh, down by Disney. Mizzou's on the schedule. Alabama's on the schedule. And now you add Wichita State to the mix in the American. 
what are the uh, what are the games that you're looking at on the schedule that you're like, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. We're going to find out what the team is going to be made of against made of against this team right here. There's a few of them. You know, I, I got to tell you, I was looking at the schedule earlier, and you know, the Abicare uh, tournament is huge. And and back when I played, we played in uh, the tournament. It was Old Spice Classic at the time, but mm-hmm. um, there's just a lot of national recognition. And whether it's Nebraska or whether you get a matchup with West Virginia, it's just really fun to play those games early on in the year because you know that a lot of those teams or some of those teams could be doing big things when it comes to March. So I'm clearly looking at the holiday tournaments. That's always fun for for players. Um, and then you look at the Wichita State game at home. You know, that has its own implications. Wichita State, what a great addition to the American. You know, as, as the American wasn't a tough enough conference already you bring in a team that has done it year after year over the last five years um you have you know the other side of that where you have coach johnny jones the former head coach at ucf who's now an assistant at wichita state and him coming back home and i i fully expect that to be a sellout i i expect there to be a couple sellouts throughout the year and i'm just looking forward to what that buzz looks like the home court advantage now that UCF basketball's had a little bit of taste of what an elite college basketball atmosphere can look at, especially with some of those NIT home games. Uh, I really look forward to some of those in-conference home games, um, especially Wichita State. The Wichita State's going to be huge, nationally televised, I believe, on ESPN. Uh, Missouri might have the number one overall pick coming up in the NBA draft, and Michael Porter uh, coming into the building, which is going to be phenomenal. Uh, UCF going to Alabama, Avery Johnson in his second year there. Some people think Alabama could be a top 25 team. Um, clearly, Coach Dawkins beefed up the schedule because he has confidence that his team can handle it and obviously to improve his chances of making the NCAA tournament. i got to believe that's part of the strategy because I know in talking to coaches in the past, sometimes they schedule on what their team can handle um, and but clearly, I think Coach Dawkins sending the message to his team that hey, we can handle the schedule, and if we want to make the NCAA's, you got to beat some of the best teams in the country, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it feels good about his squad. And you know, you come in last year, you get a lay of the land, get used to the conference, you get a feel for who your guys are, and and I, I think you schedule up. And I, I think it also has to do it, you know, at the end of this thing when you're looking middle of March, and 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 let's say you you don't win the conference tournament and get that automatic bid. Um, you know, you don't want to look back and say, man, we just didn't do enough. And I, I think if you're Coach Dawkins and staff, you're looking at this and say, if we can steal a couple of these big games pre-conference, have a good record going into conference, we know that there's enough on the table that we're going to be in the conversation if we have a good year at, in the American, just with the addition of Wichita State, you have Cincinnati, you have UConn, that if you can get a couple key wins – that you can be in that conversation for an at-large bid. And I, I think it's different. When you look back to certainly when I was there, but even in the early American days, there just wasn't enough. There wasn't, you know, four or five teams considered in the American, three, four teams consi- consistently considered for uh, the NCAA tournament. And I think now you're looking at a league that, that the potential's there. And I think the conference tournament and where it is this year, it bodes well for UCF. And, and you certainly hope to, have enough on the resume that if you're not going to win the conference tournament, uh, if you go deeper, at least in the conversation. I want to ask you about Coach Dawkins because you alluded to it, the the, the 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 vibe and maybe getting a couple of sellouts. And I could think back to that Illinois game in the NIT. We were all in that building, first of all, seeing that place packed, which was I remember me and Jeff were walking in 
about what four minutes in through the game, Jeff. I think right we were about that back time. Yep. And we walked in and we were shocked. We, we, we couldn't believe it, Taylor. You were in that building. And I'll never forget UCF winning the game. The crowd storms the court. And I'll never forget J- Coach Dawkins talking to the fans while he's on the court. And he's like embracing a fan. And he had, the, he had everyone's attention. And it just blew me away. And at that point, I felt like the UCF fans connected with Coach Dawkins. And, he can, and he's got this way. And yeah, I know you've spent some time around him. He, when he's in that, you know, in, in the presence of you, whether it be in the, in, the, in the room or whatever, you know he's in there. And yet he has this knack of reaching out to everybody. Even if he doesn't know you, he makes it sound look like, wow, I know that guy. And he makes you root for him. And I feel like we haven't had that. It reminded me a little bit, actually, of when Kirk was there you're, uh, here. Because Kirk was that way with the fan base. He would, you know, he would walk in and the crowd would chant, Kirk, Kirk, Kirk. And, and there was that connection there and people and as a result, they rooted for the program, maybe an extra harder because they cared about the coach and the players much. Do you see the similarities there with Coach Dawkins? No, that's a, that's a good bridge. I didn't, I didn't think about that similarity. You mentioned it, uh, Eric. And, and, you know, the, the time I've had around Coach Dawkins and, uh, you know, just after games, before games or, uh, you know, whether it's at a practice or whatever and or just in passing, you know, just as a, as a, as a fan myself, just it, observing he's got this intensity about him you know he's got this he's the guy you look at even if you're playing against you say man that guy is a quiet competitor I mean that guy will rip your head off uh to win this game and he he might not even tell you about it right he's just got this quiet intensity about him he's got this ability to demand respect without you know being too over the top about it. You just look at players. I just look at last year, and I said this a lot last year. You know, those guys bought in because of because of him. He, they bought into what he sold. And yeah, you give the players credit, and, and there's plenty of credit due. Um, but I think what he's done at every level, you know, both in the college, NBA, the coaching, everything that he's done, the USA basketball, whatever it is. I mean, how, how do you not buy him, right? How do you not have respect for that guy? And so. I think that he's a basketball coach at heart, and he wants to be a part of it. He wants to get this university to become known for as a basketball university and really bring people um, on his mission. And and you just kind of feel that. So I'm with you. I, I, I kind of just feel that intensity, and, and I've, I've noticed that from afar. Well, I tell you, we noticed it big time last year. What a way that the last year on the on the home court finished up with that sell out against Illinois. I'm hoping that we see a lot more of it. And you're right. I hope we see a lot more discussion of UCF, you know, not just, you know, potentially winning the conference, but also when you hear your when you hear the school talked about in terms of, you know, at large potential, that means that you've really arrived. And it's been uh, it's been a long time coming for UCF basketball. Quickly, Taylor, before we let you go, uh, where can people reach out to you? And what does your agenda look like through uh, the rest of the winter? Sure. No, I mean, you can reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, it's just Taylor B. Young. And uh, my agenda my agenda during the winter is, is it just hoops, man. We'll be there Friday night for the Mercer game. And things really kick up and get busy here and get exciting. And, and I look forward to the, the Tuesday and Wednesday night games at, at CFE Arena and, and, and calling them and, and more conversations with you all. So uh, I'll, I'll be rooting this team on and, and, and game by game and, and, and be there every step of the way. 
All right, cool. We'll be there with you. We'll be there with you as well. Taylor Young from UCF uh, Men's Basketball. You can listen to him with Mark Daniels all throughout the season uh, on the UCF uh, Radio Network. Taylor, thanks again, brother. You got it. And thanks to T.Y. for joining us once again. Uh, Again, like he said, follow him on Twitter at uh, Taylor B. Young and listen to him with Mark Daniels all season uh, calling UCF games uh, on UCF Nights. Dot TV and uh, on uh, and on the radio on uh, UCF's uh, flagship station 969 the game and uh, anywhere you can listen to UCF basketball wherever in Central Florida uh, you may be so thanks again ty should be another fun season with him and uh, and and mark on the mic again all right um, let's uh, switch back over to soccer real quick because I wanted to talk about the UCF men's soccer team um, here Eric boy oh boy the, the, this team has suddenly become, I think right now, uh, the, the most unsung story in all of UCF sports this year. Remember, they were 1-5-1, and one, had two matches canceled due to weather, two home matches canceled due to weather. Didn't play a single home game until <clears throat> October the 4th. Um, since then, this team is unbeaten unbeaten in seven in a row and they are uh, they went from one five and one pretty much dead last in the conference to the two seed in the american with a two to one dramatic victory at cincinnati golden goal situation um to wrap up the season this past weekend and uh, they now head out to dallas where smu is the one seed smu uh, smu uconn smu ucf um, UConn and Temple are the one through four for the American Athletic Conference Men's Soccer Tournament. Uh, the Knights play UConn Friday at 5.30 in Dallas. Winner plays the winner of SMU Temple in the championship game. But, uh, wow, Scott Calabrese, uh, what a job by his team down the stretch in conference play. As right now, they stand at 7-5-2, and two, and they're the hottest team in the conference heading into the tournament. Um, this was... this. I, I know I keep harping on this, but this is still... It's a shocker how hot this team got, isn't it? They clicked. You know, yeah. Scott Calabrese said it. This team started believing in themselves, started believing in what they were doing. They started to learn each other. They got into a rhythm, and they got hot. And look. They found that second like scoring threat, didn't they? Cal Jennings. Cal Jennings yeah. is huge. I mean, Boy, it's fitting that he, he been scored something. the golden goal. It's fitting that he scored the golden goal to get him into the yeah. postseason, which was knocked out South Florida, by the way, from the tournament. Yep. Uh, look, they're playing really well, and uh, they're a two seed. They play Connecticut. That was the remember they upset Connecticut in stores, uh, which really they needed to win that. They needed to win out just to make the conference tournament. That's what makes this remarkable. They had to win at Connecticut, beat Temple, and then win at Cincinnati, and they did it. Mm-hmm. And so they got a lot of confidence. They're going to play a Connecticut team. That's going to be a big match. Um, SMU's the favorite. They're ranked tenth or twelfth, depending which soccer poll you look at. Uh, but they got a tough one against a pretty good Temple team that I've seen. So it's a wide open tournament. I make SMU the favorite because they're at home and they've been they've been tremendous. But you know, I said this before the year when we talked about the preseason and you interviewed Scott Calabrese and I've seen him. The guy knows what he's doing. And I thought UCF would compete for this conference title and surprise people, kind of like all first year coaches have done. Uh, and have come to UCF recently, and uh, here we are. And they got the player of the year that was announced. Matias Pisolo wins the player of the year for the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. Tremendous talent. 
Uh, and again, sounds like a broken record. If we had a sound effect, we would go with the cha-ching or a home run swing. But Danny White does it again. Yeah. Another long hire with Scott Calabrese. The guy can't miss on a hire. It's amazing, a turnaround. And uh, look, I mean, Connecticut's going to be a tough match. Connecticut's going to be ready for some revenge. It's going to be a heck of a match. Could come down to overtime. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if come Sunday, UCF's playing for the chance to play to get into the NCAA tournament yeah. against SMU. It would not surprise me. Three UCF Knights made first-team all-conference, including Matias Puzolo, Cal Jennings, and Yoni Sorokin. Also, uh, on the second-team all-conference, three Knights placed, including uh, Andreas Steiniger, uh, Luis Perez, and Hatebu Barry. Um, Barry also made the all-rookie team along with Perez and Sorokin for um, for UCF. So this has really been um, <laughs> what a run that this team has made. And if it continues, boy, they could if they if they could sneak into the NCAA tournament somehow um, by uh, by knocking off UConn and either SMU or Temple. Boy, what a story that would be uh, for uh, for Scott Calabrese and his team. So. Um, Big tip of the cap to them for taking care of business and doing that. The uh, semifinal match against UConn will be Friday uh, at 5.30. And uh, I'm actually pulling this up. You can watch that on, I believe, the American Digital Network. Network. Yeah, that's correct. From Dallas. So uh, SMU obviously hosting. Just like in the women's game, the the hosts are the one seed. So um, CCF gets that. And then I'm... uh, uh, Trying to pull up the information on the championship game. I haven't seen um, uh, what the where that's going to be. I'm actually trying to pull it up right now on the American, but for some reason things are looking um, really slow. But um, oh, what a week of UCF athletics, by the way. Wow, oh, yeah. you looked at this up. is like this is okay. this has been one hell of a week. Goodness me. I mean, you got football. You got the football game Saturday. You got women's soccer hosting NCAA tournament game Saturday night. You got the men's soccer game in the conference tournament on Friday. You got women's basketball season opener at 5.30. Men's basketball season opener at 8 o'clock. You got volleyball with two matches this weekend. It's insane, Yeah, uh, the matches. I mean, uh, I mean I'm going to try, as you're looking this up, I'm going to try to be at all of them, except uh, Sunday. I need to take a day off on Sunday. I mean, I've called them. Sorry. But I need ESPNU, by the way, is, is televising the uh, championship of the American on Sunday, November the 12th, scheduled for 2 o'clock Eastern. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Hopefully I have a reason. Hopefully I'll be able to watch that, but uh, it's going to be good. Hopefully they get an opportunity there, but I will try folks for those who are tuning in, which I've been doing a little bit. Uh, I'll either Facebook live or Periscope from all the events on Friday, which is women's basketball, volleyball, men's basketball. And then Saturday I'll try with football. It depends on my record because I am working the game as an official stats person. So it depends on my schedule. I'll try to do my traditional video from the field prior to the game on Saturday football, and then obviously women's soccer as well. So look for that uh, deal this weekend. Hopefully I'll have enough energy to get all through that, (laughs) but I should. UCF women's basketball. I wanted to switch gears real quick off of that. So um, they are starting their season. Obviously we talked about they're starting off with Mercer on Friday. Uh, They're also playing uh, Monday on the road at Chattanooga. Uh, at 6.30 p.m. for that game. But then they'll be back uh, for Gardner-Webb uh, the following week. So make sure you take a look at Coach Abe. Th- listen, don't forget, it's a pretty good team that Coach Abe has put together. And uh, they co- and she comes back this year. Obviously, you lose Zai Lewis, um, who is uh, the all-time three-point uh, shooter in UCF 
basketball history, be it men or women. Um, but uh, you got K.K. Wright back. Uh, you got Kayla Thigpen back. But most importantly, uh, you got Aaliyah Gregory back. And she's going to be a senior this year. Boy, this is, a, this, this is shaping up to be uh, Aaliyah's big year uh, after the breakout season that she had uh, coming out. So uh, that will be... Uh, so. Definitely worth checking out. I, I'm hoping that Friday we all come out to see uh, to see the doubleheader against Mercer, get ourselves ready for basketball season. So that should be good. So, Coach, good luck to Coach Abe and the team as they get ready for uh, for their season to start as well. And uh, last but certainly far from least, uh, UCF volleyball. We've got uh, they are back at home uh, this weekend. Right now, thirteen and thirteen overall. Um, the uh, on-the-road split uh, at Cincinnati. They got the sweep at Cincinnati before uh, losing, in, uh, losing in four to East Carolina. But Tulane and Houston are due up this weekend, uh, Friday at 7 in the venue. At the same time, or, or maybe not at the same time, but because men's basketball is at 8. Uh, women's is at 5.30. So, uh, so again, you, you got like a triple header uh, on Friday. <laughs> With uh, with women's basketball, volleyball, and men's it's basketball. It's a lot of walking, Jeff. It's a lot of walking I got to do that day. It's a lot of walking back and ah, forth. You're just I walking between tunnels. What are you talking about? They, <laughs> they, uh, they, they, and then uh, Sunday, uh, you got 1 o'clock Houston coming into town. So uh, Coach Dagenay and his team, this is, uh, this is their last um, double weekend. Uh, for volleyball, because uh, their final home match will be November twenty second. That's the Wednesday against uh, USF. I think that's that's Thanksgiving. That's the day before Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. So, uh, and that'll be on the American Digital Network. So you can catch both of the weekends, both of this weekend's matches on UCFNights.tv. Um, as um, and and it's been boy, we talked about how tough this uh, this women's volleyball season would be for UCF and. In what Coach Dasney has called a rebuilding year, he's relied on a lot of uh, freshmen. Probably going to see a lot of freshmen this year uh, coming across on the uh, all freshman team in the postseason um, in the postseason awards. But as we look at the uh, standings, obviously UCF um, right in the middle of the pack. The American is you know Wichita State's kind of running away and hiding right now at fourteen and zero in conference. SMU Temple having very good years. ECU's been ECU and Cincinnati. Uh, ahead of UCF in the standings, so for UCF to get that win at Cincinnati was a pretty, pretty tall order. And avenging a a a, a, a loss that they had at home earlier this year. So, nonetheless, Tulane and Houston uh, on the docket. Houston's at five and nine behind UCF. Tulane not having a good year at two and twelve. Uh, like to see two home wins for UCF uh, to get above to get two games above five hundred before their next uh, road trip. So. Good luck to Coach Dagenet and the team on that. And uh, oh, what was the other thing I wanted to look up? Uh, oh, some of the statistics. Well, they're that... trying to make a run, by the way, for the NIT. I mean, That's they right. Can still make postseason. There is an NIT in volleyball, so they're trying to. I think if they can win out, maybe even and and or finish strong, they got a shot to make that. And like you mentioned, it's they got to get some experience and. You know they got a chance here to get some wins here under their belt here and finish strong. Yeah, and you know, and a couple of things you know statistically that you want to look at. You know, hitting percentage. Taylor Wiki, by the way, second in the conference in hitting percentage. She's uh, locked in behind Abby Lehman of uh, Wichita State. But Taylor Wiki having an excellent year for UCF, uh, and Kia Bright too, fourth in the league in uh, in in kills at three point eight zero. 
kills per set. So um, it has been uh, it has been quite the year for uh, for for Kia in her final year at UCF. And uh, the Knights also have you know two pretty good setters who are actually climbing up the American uh, standings as well between Aaron Olson and Miranda Watkins, who are back to back twelfth and thirteenth uh, in the league uh, in terms of assists. So. Uh, that's something that we're going to have to that that we'll be keeping an eye on as they head down the stretch. And yeah, that volleyball NIT is a thing. So there, so that's something that you know it, it, maybe the NCAA tournament not exactly a good shot for UCF to get into there. To be honest with you, there's no conference tournament in volleyball, but uh, you can get into that NIT, get a couple of extra matches underneath your belt, especially for some of those young players, the Anne Marie Watsons of the world that are out there, um, that are out there, you know, playing really good, playing a lot of minutes for UCF. Um, the more experience they can get, the better. So, uh, so that's the deal with UCF. So, wow, we got okay. So, so check me as we wrap this up here. On Friday, we've got women's basketball at five thirty, volleyball at seven, men's basketball at eight. On Saturday, we got football at noon, and women's soccer at seven. Whew, what a weekend, man. It's unbelievable. Tell me not about mention, it. Not to I'm mention men's t- soccer on the road for the conference tournament. Right. Oh, gosh. It's a long weekend, my friend. Yeah, that's uh, my may as well just, correct. Like, may as well just I, bring a tent and just camp on campus if you want to. You know. I, envy the guys who drive, I, I envy the guys who drive the motorhomes. You know, the RVs up to the, you know, uh, up there to yeah. the... Uh, uh, <clears throat> up, 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 up to up to the stadium. I wish I could do that. I, I, I might just I ask them if I. I might just ask them in advance. Can I just go ahead and sleep in the press box <laughs> or football there after the basketball game? I'll bring my pillow so I don't have to move because I got to be back in the morning anyway. Yeah, that'll be a lot of sporting events. Um, should be interesting. And a lot, I guess and we a better lot wrap of it up. big time sporting <laughs> events too. <laughs> yeah, no, it should be good. I mean, NCAA tournament game season openers. I mean, you've got it all. You've got it all. Uh, I don't know how often that ever happens. I mean, where almost every sporting team in the is playing at the same time that weekend. It's pretty wild with basketball go, starting, football still going on, volleyball still going on, women's soccer still going on. I mean, yeah, men's the, soccer was hosting that game. I mean, it was just crazy. Just yeah, this crazy. is the college sports equinox right now when you have basketball crossing over with everything that's uh, that's finishing up. So. It's a busy week. We're hoping to see all of you guys out there. I know Eric, you're going to be out there um, as well for uh, for everything that's going on. So this should be um, a lot of fun. All right. Since we now know what you're doing this weekend, Eric Lopez, <laughs> let's wrap <laughs> yeah. this thing up. What else do you have on the docket? Uh, how's everything going? Oh, by the way, with uh, fast pitch news, I know you and Victor, uh, the podcast is still going strong. Yeah, check that out. A lot of softball news going on. They had signing day, believe it or not, was uh, at. Wednesday, today of recording, UCF softball. We didn't even get to that. They had their signing class coming up for uh, next year. You can go to UCFKnights.com for all the details on that. Quick I'm, highlights on exhausted. that. <laughs> oh, they got some good kids. I mean, they got some good kids coming in, a picture that they're really excited about coming in. And uh, they, they've been excited about this class for a little while. And, uh, you know, because, I mean, it's crazy. They're still a young team. Greatest here. class uh, in school history, I'm sure. Well, I mean, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go that far yet. But no, I mean, they've 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 got some kids there they like, especially the pitcher that's coming in, that's going to be there. Uh, that they're excited about that to add to this nucleus. I mean, remember they only lose, they only have two seniors on this upcoming year coming up. So uh, they're going to add p- pieces to this nucleus 
for the following year, 2019, because this class is for the 2019 season. So softball, signing, heck, volleyball had signing day was also today, yeah. by the way. And I know Dash, as you mentioned volleyball, they're excited. They got a, a couple of players they love from Minnesota. I mean, so it's just kind of crazy going on everywhere. But softball, yeah, fast pitch news is yeah. going on there. I got podcast there. We're getting ready for the 2018 season. Uh, the big scandal with Louisiana Lafayette, which is a big power softball program. They're looking for a head coach, so we're covering all that stuff. So if you're a softball fan, you can get it all there. Um, if you go to blackandgoldbanneret.com, check out my story, the UCF TV ratings. Uh, for details on that uh, and keep it on Twitter and on uh, the Facebook there. Jeff will be monitoring it. I'll be Facebooking live or periscoping from all these events somehow and uh, try to make the most of it. I'll be doing stats for the ESPN two U broadcast of the UCF Connecticut game on Saturday. I'll be doing official stats for them. So I will not be in the blog, but you're in good hands with Mr. Sharon and specifically Brian Murphy. Well, we do our best, as we always can here. So, <laughs> But nonetheless, as we finish it up here, uh, once again, thanks to uh, you, Eric, for helping us out once again. Always a pleasure. I'm going to go sleep now because I won't have any this weekend. Yeah, that makes the two of us. And uh, and you know, on top of that, we got the baby coming. We got the baby here, too. It keeps us up at night. But uh, thanks to you once again. Thanks to uh, Taylor Young. You can follow him at Taylor B. Young on Twitter. And uh, thanks to you, the fans, for uh, listening. Don't forget, you can tell your friends, give us a rating on uh, on uh, iTunes as well. You can listen to us on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune, and tune in radio. Follow us at UCF underscore Banneret. Follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. And follow our friend Brian Murphy, Spokes underscore Murphy, uh, who's just been writing up a storm for us all season long. He's going to be covering some basketball this year as well as football. And also follow underscore DS Warden, Derek Warden, our uh, staff photographer here at the Black and Gold Banneret, who's just been putting out some amazing stuff uh, after the home games and also a couple of other events as well. So thanks again to Derek for all of his hard work uh, and to Brian for all of his hard work as well. I can't tell you how And our thanks to our great sponsor. Yes. Thanks to our great cannot sponsor. Th- yes, I can't believe it's so it's so it's like you know i can't even believe it the the fact that we even have a sponsor is so unbelievable but thanks again to sam unger for uh, helping us out as well uh and uh and you can uh, check him out at sam sells so uh so that'll do it for us here on the black and gold banner at podcast for eric lopez i'm jeff sharon thank you so much for listening we will catch you somewhere later on this weekend with all the ucf sports going on i'm sure you'll run into one of us at some point if not all of us so Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the weekend and go Knights.